Second Chronicles 35, verses 20 and 23 to 27. After all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight at Carchemish on the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to meet him. And the archers shot King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am badly wounded. So his servants took him out of the chariot and carried him in his second chariot and brought him to Jerusalem. And he died and was buried in the tombs of his fathers. All Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Jeremiah also uttered a lament for Josiah. And all the singing men and singing women have spoken of Josiah in their laments to this day. They made these a rule in Israel. Behold, they are written in the laments. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and his good deeds according to what was written in the law of the Lord and his acts first and last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have our theme this Advent, the royal ancestors of the Christ. The Bible assumes a corporate personality, which we sometimes don't realize, as when a nation is punished for what it did a century ago. The sins of the fathers are visited upon the children. And so Israel punishes Moab for what Moab had done a generation or two ago. And so the family of David has a corporate personality. So that the promises made to David apply to all his royal descendants and find their fulfillment in Christ. Another way of putting it, David's descendants foreshadow in certain respects the outlines of the Christ. And tonight we meditate on Josiah, the ancestor of Christ, who happened to be the last good king in Jerusalem. He became king at a young age, age eight. Like Joash before him, he was guided by a godly high priest. And Josiah determined to serve the Lord that is, do what was right from his earliest years of understanding. Like the Christ, his descendant, Josiah was cut off at midlife, fighting the enemies of his people, attempting to keep his word according to a treaty that his country had made. In his 19th year, Josiah commanded repairs of God's house, the temple. God's house had been neglected during the reigns of the two preceding kings, Ammon and Manasseh, who had pursued idolatry, what today we would call spirituality. They pursued it with zeal, but they had no use for the living God, and here's why. Spirituality is so free, so soothing, so subjective. People love spirituality, for then they are in charge. But the living God demands submission. 
He tells you truths you'd rather forget, both about the world and its dangers, and about yourself and your evils. Josiah was willing to submit to the Lord his God and gave command that the temple be repaired. In the course of these repairs, the book of God's law was discovered. It contained laws which Israel had neglected for two generations and the descriptions of what to expect if those laws were to be ignored. Namely, that Israel would lose their land if they forsook the covenant they had with the Lord. Confirmed by the prophetess Huldah, the curses were clearly coming to fruition in the politics of Josiah's day. The Assyrians had already wiped out the northern tribes of Israel, and Babylon had conquered Assyria and was chewing up all of the Middle Eastern kingdoms. It wouldn't be long before Judah would be next. King Josiah led his people in repentance and in renewal of the covenant. A return to the Lord which elicited a promise that God would postpone the destruction to come. Thanks to Josiah's sacrifices and leadership, the people would be spared one more generation. And this is a foreshadowing of the life of Christ. For Christ was the last descendant of David to rule in Jerusalem. Christ knew that the generation he spoke to would see the destruction of the temple and that the Jews would again be scattered and exiled. And he called on all to repent for the kingdom of God was at hand. Just as Josiah discovered and taught the book of the law to the people, so Christ taught the meaning of God's law to those for whom it had become obscured by Pharisaic traditions. The most famous example of this is the Sermon on the Mount, where Christ made it clear that God's law required a degree of righteousness in action, in word, even in thought, that only the Son of God could deliver. His object was to show that no one keeps the law of God and therefore everyone needs the Savior that God had promised. Josiah's life suggests three truths for us today. First, in Josiah's day, hidden sins came to light. People did not know they had sinned by ignoring God's law. Just as the man did not know that digging in his backyard was against the city ordinance until he hit an electric conduit and almost died. Let the revelation of God's law, his demand for righteousness, wake you up to the dangers of sin. Both in this life and in the life of the world to come. Secondly, the people of Josiah's day realized that they were living in the shadow of destruction. This is an insight that pertains to every age, including our own. How soon we have forgotten the two world wars that engulfed the 20th century and the atomic threat which has hovered over the world for 70 years. John Bunyan's great classic, Pilgrim's Progress, begins with the character Pilgrim fleeing from the city of destruction. And this drives him to the cross of Christ. 
This truth ought to ring in our ears until we find our security not in worldly things which pass away, but in the truth of Christ who died for our sin and was raised that we might have new life, eternal life. And like Josiah, Christ calls us to repent before it is too late. And he furthermore intercedes with us intercedes for us with the Father. The time of destruction, our time of destruction, is held off by God's mercy for Jesus' sake. Turn to Him while there is yet time. Josiah was the last reformer, the last good king before the judgment on Jerusalem came. Jesus Christ is the good king who offers you protection and guidance, security and blessing. He comes as an infant to share that blessing at Christmas. But don't despise the royal offer. For he will come again at the destruction of this world. Then he will reclaim those that are his. And they will have joy. May you be counted among those who adhere to Christ in this life and the next. Amen. Amen. And may that peace of God that surpasses understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.